Welcome to the Bible Belt Bros Podcast. I'm Dusty. I'm Fish. And uh, this is our first podcast. We're two guys here. We live in Oklahoma. We're in the Bible Belt, kind of been struggling with church and just how we do church. And uh, we've lived most of our lives in the Bible Belt. So it's... Um, well, I've lived often my life in the Bible Belt. Yeah. So we, we're used to churches on every corner Everywhere you look, everywhere a you church look. of a different denomination, doing different things, preaching different, preaching the same Bible, but in different contexts. And so we just we were trying to figure out a study that we could do together, and uh, decided, hey, let's just record our conversations, and if it's something worth maybe other people listening to and starting up conversations, then it'd be worth it. That's why we're here. That's what we're doing. While we were talking about this, we also decided we wanted to do a book. Yeah. I hate reading, but I decided, hey, books are cool. I'm getting older. Yeah, that is a sign you're old. We chose the book Pagan Christianity. The author is Frank Viola and uh, George Barnum. So anyway, so we're, we're looking at different topics to talk about and, and trying to hear what we don't normally hear on Sunday morning or normally hear in a Christian church setting. And so I was like, just I want to hear the other side of arguments when it comes to tithing and and having a church building and, and the music. And, and, but I also didn't want to hear somebody that was just mad at the church and was right. just coming off of a, I just want to hurt the church attitude. And so yeah. we were searching for books and uh, you were at a book st- Christian bookstore, right? Right. And I had called you and was like, dude, check out this author. I think I found something. And you couldn't find it there. And this is not just any Christian bookstore. This is a major bookstore that is all over the country. They had every book written by this author, but not this one book. Which tells me that the author is at least credible, but maybe this book is controversial. And so, unnaturally, that's the one we want to we want to read. So we encourage you, as we do this uh, podcast, we're going to go chapter by chapter. We actually, Fish and I have not read the next chapter we haven't read on to chapter two yet so um we just read the preface in chapter one as we get ready and what we would like is for you guys to get the book get it on amazon you can get an audible book it's kind of like listening to a podcast and uh listen to it read along with us and uh we we would love if you'd send us questions and things that help us with the discussion a little bit maybe things that we're not Seeing maybe verses that are left out, but we, we encourage you to do that. This is a book study, a Bible study with not just two guys, but hopefully with a bunch of people, maybe like 10 listeners. That'd be great. 10, that's a, that's a good goal to shoot for on our first one. Yeah, 10 listeners would be great. And I, I'm counting my mom, and I have three sisters. Yep, I know at least one of them will download it. Maybe my subscribe. wife. Maybe my wife will. My wife might. Join us. My wife will because I will hijack her computer and subscribe her to it. (laughs) Actually, she doesn't have an iPhone anymore, so she doesn't really use iTunes. Well, and I have a son who's going to be seven, so he can practice. You know, you just go ahead and get into the podcasting era and create an account. My daughter is going to be eight, and she already has an iTunes. Yeah, so that's almost ten. I don't know. I wasn't counting, but (laughs) that seems close. Well, and I have a few more computers throughout the house, and I have a lot of fictitious names. There we go. We're just going to fudge the numbers. That's the total Christian thing to do. Yeah, that's what this book tells us in chapter one. So yeah, as Dusty was saying, all we've read so far is the preface, the introduction in chapter one. And so that's what we're going to discuss today. The book is very controversial, as we've already talked about that. 
And uh, really, that's what these three chapters kind of talk about. And so that's what they all lump together. And so we're just going to discuss all three of those. At so once. we're going to discuss the preface of the book, the uh, introduction, and then also go on to chapter one. Now, I read the preface and introduction last night. Dusty read it a couple weeks ago when yeah. we were initially going to start all this. Uh, we, we decided that we were going to practice talking in a mic and buy some stuff so it's probably a little easier to listen to so it's kind of delayed us if you haven't already go like us on facebook twitter instagram all those good sites check out our website biblebeltbros.com i can be a jingle writer there we go uh we are gonna have a jingle on our dot com we are dusty's gonna write it for us all right if you want to know more about us, subscribe to all of the podcasts, not just one at a time. Yes, please. You'll download the About Us. Yeah, we don't really know if people actually care who we are, and so I don't want to bore you guys with a podcast about talking about our backstories, but um, we just want you guys to know we're not mad at the church. We're actually actively involved in the church. Right. And it's a church plant. It's uh, five years old, so it's not like I'm still going to First Baptist of a town I grew up in and... And Brother Bill's been there this whole life, and we've been singing the same three Hymns. verses in the in the choruses of hymnals. and Right. Uh, verse 1, 2, 4, I think. Yeah, we are not upset with the church at all. We just were curious. Really, the question that we have is just, is that the traditions that we have as a church, is that really keeping us from functioning completely the way God originally intended us to function? All right. I'm is sorry. that a yes or no? That was, a, that was just a yes or no. <laughs> Well, I was actually looking for something in the book. I wasn't actually listening. Well, I was looking for that. Um, oh, actually, here it is. Actually, I am going to read this. So okay. it says, at this moment, all the rebellious hearts are plotting and plotting to wield the above paragraphs to wreak havoc in their churches. If that is you, dear rebellious heart, you have missed our point by a considerable distance. We do not stand with you. Our advice, either leave your church quietly refusing to cause division or be at peace with it there's a vast gulf between rebellion and standing for standing for what truth is and so that's all we all we're doing we're not trying to cause division we're not trying to throw this in anybody's face and we ask that you don't do the same thing what page was that on uh that is page five chapter one page five chapter one page five highlight it in your book now all so right. anyways, the question I had asked, Andrew, before I was rudely interrupted by your non-listening, was do you think that traditions in the church that have come along through church through the years have kept the church from functioning the way God has really intended the church to function? My answer before this would have been yes. Would have been yes, but I wouldn't have known why. I would have just had hunches uh but after just reading even the first three chapters, my answer is definitely yes. I thought you were going to go the other way. No. Yeah. I now have a little bit more evidence and information. Um, to Before, I would have just been you know, grasping at straws. Yeah. You didn't have the facts. Right. I just had a, you know. And, uh, and I, I'm on the same, same lines as you. I mean, I don't think that the way... America does church is necessarily terrible way. You know, our church, we have salvation where people giving their life to Christ or just submitting their lives to Christ every 
week, really. All right. I mean, and um, seven this past Sunday. Yeah, we had seven this past Sunday. So obviously that's that's working when it comes to showing people Jesus and giving them Jesus. But I just I wonder because we started this church five years ago, we we examined traditions in the church. And we'd even have people come on board and they would try to bring their traditions like our church used to do this. And we're like, no, (laughs) you know, that's that's great. That's great. Keep going to that church. if You love it. I mean, it works for them. That's great. But that's not us. Exactly. And so we examined traditions. We examined having a building. We examined just the different times. We just talked about meeting in houses, just like the church did in Acts, you know. Why have a big Sunday morning thing? Is that really where life change happens? And, and so I think that the American church has been functioning not 100% of what God has intended. And I think some of it is what we're going to learn in a book. I think some of it is going to come from things that we've adopt, adopted in our culture that now we're kind of tied to that because that's what we've always known. And we're missing out on really the power that comes through this small community of people like in a house church and, and really the uh, the community itself that we're missing by showing up on a Sunday morning, sitting in a chair facing forward and really talking to like the same 10 people every week, but not really having mean, meaningful conversations. So have you ever asked yourself, why do we do what we do for church? I think I just answered that by saying when we uh, started this church plant, we, we asked, why do we do what we do? And is it even because now's the time to change it? Right. You know, we're starting exactly. over, starting fresh. And uh, we did change a lot of things. We did. But along the way, we also adopted our own traditions. Exactly. I mean, I, I think that happens. Right. And uh, that's how, as a matter of fact, that's what the book in the preface and introduction talks about is we started our own traditions, and that's how we get so far off of uh, track. Do you believe that that we as Christians have a responsibility to examine our church practices and traditions against the Word of God? I, yes and no. I mean, I don't know. I, I I think so. I mean, I think as all Christians that we are responsible enough to – we have Christ in our hearts. We have the Holy Spirit, and so we should allow that to be our guide and not to um, – just go along with what a preacher says on Sunday morning, you know. Right. You right. see a lot of the televangelist people, and they're they're banking on people not on questioning. Ignorance. Yeah, and so so I think that that yeah, we should question. I I do have you know check your heart of why you're questioning things. Are you are you questioning tithing because you really want to keep all your money and not give, or are you questioning tithing because you're really wanting to know where what really matters to God. Right. Those kind of things. And it, right. And just tithing being one topic, I, uh, I can't personally wait until we get to that subject. <laughs> I mean, and don't get me wrong. I, we tithe off every piece of income yep. that we get. I do too. I, uh, my, my wife handles that cause I'm not very good at numbers. She's an accountant. So, so is my wife. Yeah. So we, we oh. have sugar mamas that are really smart and we're two, just two random guys that decided to start a podcast. That's right. And so, uh, yeah, so don't get us wrong. We do tithe, and we're not saying don't tithe or anything. But my curiosity in that is when did it become all about the money, all about the Benjamins? All about that base? All about that base. Because back in, back in biblical times, 
when Jesus walked the earth and all this, you know, it was, in my opinion, it was whatever their income was. Some of them were farmers, so it may have been wheat or corn or stuff like that that they tithed. Some of them were uh, in textiles, so it would have been clothing, stuff like that. Well, Andrew, so. you'll have to wait till we get to whatever chapter that is. I know. I can't wait. <laughs> so, um, do, you, do you think it's beneficial? And what, what benefits do you think will happen if we do trace back those things? I believe it is beneficial because we're going to learn and uh, gain an understanding of what God intended for his church, for his body of Christ and body of believers. Um, you know, at the same time, I think there's dangers because, um, you know, we're going to be, we're in this society that has changed church to fit its perfect little mold. Well, we're, we're in the Bible Belt where it's always been done this way. We know in the Bible Belt, we know how to do church. Right. There you go. I, that was an appropriate accent. Good job. <laughs> so, right. I mean, we do. And so it, there's a danger because we're, we're coloring outside the lines, man. Um, people don't ask these questions, especially in the Bible Belt. We don't ask these questions. We just do it. We do what we've always been done, and we do what we've always been told. And here's, here's what I think with that is I think – and I'm in this category too, but – because we rely now on Sunday morning to get all of our nutrients from God that we don't even read our own Bibles. We don't even pray on our own during the week. So we don't know what the Bible says about those things. We just know what the preacher says on Sunday morning and he's close to God because we pay him to be close to God. And so, and, I, and not even, you know, not all churches, the pastor is close to God. So well, I mean, we can't even a, make that. I'm just saying that as that's our assumption of we we pay the preacher to all he has, all all pastors have to do. <laughs> I know it's not true, but all pastors have to do is pray, read their Bible, and preach on Sunday morning. That's their only job. Well, they only anymore. work on Sundays. Sunday more anymore. It's Sundays. You know, it used to be when we were kids. It was Wednesdays and Sundays and. Well, that was it, Wednesdays well, and Sundays. And that, that goes to another thing is just being worn out with the church programs that we had. So, like, yeah, we had – I remember – what was the saying? Sunday morning was how popular the church was in the community. Sunday night was how pop popular the pastor was. And no. Wednesday – yeah. Oh, yes. Yep. Wednesday night, so that's popular. how popular Jesus is. Yeah, prayer and Jesus are right. <laughs> and so – and that has been our attitude as a church is just – more services means more impact and uh, more spiritual living. All right, so in the introduction, it's titled What Happened to the Church. Um, George Barna makes an assessment that Christians are worn out on the endless programs that fail to facilitate transformation. Those uh, programs he's referring to are like mega churches or secret churches, satellite campuses, or vacation Bible schools, children's church, affinity groups like women's groups, men's groups, youth, married couples groups, single adult ministry, right? All of those royal what royal, royal rangers, rangers. <laughs> and yeah. uh, was it pretty princesses? I forget. I what, don't know what the what girl we one discussed. Was. It, what, I forgot what we discussed, but yeah, all those those programs. 
they've failed to facilitate transformation. Do you agree with what George says that they failed to facilitate transformation? Yeah, well, George and I go way back. I mean, he's he's got this company. Uh, it's the Barna Group. They they do a lot of research, and that's one thing that with this book, as we read it, there's tons of footnotes that are accurately portrayed as far as the research that has gone into it. It's years and years of research that I would never do, and so I'm glad that we're not reading a book of somebody's idea, but we're also getting the facts and the history behind that. So I, I do believe that as an attempt of the church to reach people, we don't really evaluate what we're doing wrong. We just try to evaluate what else we can do. And that has happened where we just create new programs without getting rid of the old programs. And so I've, I've heard it said by uh, a friend of mine that is fairly new Christian within the last few years. And, um, he was talking about how he used to have more family time and more time before he got involved actively in the church. And so now uh, when we don't do Sunday, like Sunday school service and we don't do a Wednesday night adult ministry. So, so right now, like his weekend is full of you know church stuff. He's got a house church that meets in his house every week. And then he's got some other programs of serving in the church that he does. And it's just like, Man, where does his weekend go? Where does his rest time with his family go? He's constantly out serving in the church. And so they're not bad things that he's doing now, but now he's he doesn't find himself having that time with family he used to, and it's all because of program type the stuff. The programs that we have. Right. Well, I agree to an extent. Uh, There's probably the one, the first thing I really haven't agreed with in the book um, but to an extent, I do. Just on chapter one. No, this one. is just the introduction. Oh, this is the introduction. So, um, this is. So, I believe that these programs do create transformation. And for well, yes. the most part, a good transformation. Yeah. I mean, look at the youth today. Now, there are a lot of programs that are just unnecessary. However, vi- there are vital programs like a good youth ministry. Yes. I mean, I agree. I used to be like an associate youth pastor, so I know the value and the impact that you can have. Right. I just don't think they're being done act or right at times. I mean, some youth pastors or some pastors are out there just to be the cool pastor, but some out there actually have a heart for God. Yeah, but okay, so, but the cool pastor, sometimes you're able to reach those people because you are the cool the pastor. Cool pastor. Right. Um, the relational pastor can is not going to be able to reach the people with his speaking ability when he's preaching, but he's going to be able to relate, uh, relate to them in a relationship level by knowing their birthdays, attending their games, those type of things. It's all relevant. But what I think, and one of the reasons that we I was looking for this book is, okay, in the Bible Belt, we have at least 50 churches, I would say, in this small town. I mean, let's say small town. I grew up in a town of 500 in Iowa. So where I live now is just outside of Tulsa. And it's big. It's big. It's like 30,000 people or something like that in the zip code. All right. Dusty and I went to high school in a town of 6,000. We're moving on up a little bit. We see all this stuff. And, and the question I have is, okay, we have all these churches that are have full-time pastors spending all this time and these energy on the same service the same messages the same things instead of why don't we just all kind of work on what we do best you know if 
why do we need every, why do we need like mediocre communicators speaking on Sunday or Wednesday for the youth or the adults when you could listen to a, a good communicator and then have a pastor there that helps you understand it after breaks it down, study questions, whatever. Right. So it's like, I don't know. Like I've been when I was in youth ministry, I like I feel like I suck at talking uh, in public, and like I hold my breath a lot. Like kind of like what I'm doing right now. I'm like hold my breath, and then you start talking, and I, whoo, take a take a deep breath. But when I do that, and I just always thought, I mean, there's there's the Craig Rochelles, the Andy Stanleys, the the uh, the great communicators that are. Biblically sound. The Frank Viola's and George Barnett. <laughs> Frank uh, the, the Donald, okay, we're going to throw out names. Uh, my man crush Monday will go out to Donald Miller because I just, I mean, I love when he's, he's a writer, but he can speak too, but he doesn't suck at one or the other. He's pretty good at both. So, um, but I mean, it's just, there's those communicators out there that can really just grip you and touch you and, and, and tug on those strings that, that, that almost like, assist you in making that change in your life so for me to get up there yeah i might i might do an okay job but why why am i standing in front of people that can do an awesome job and then i can just my job is just to be the guy that can help them act it out help them grow in that faith that that they just heard so i don't know i just i struggle with with all those programs and and how we all do the same stuff and and even like in chapter one it, it goes into a story of just this family getting ready on Sunday morning. And one, if you ever had brothers and sisters and trying to get ready on Sunday morning, it's usually like the time where the family fights the most. That's right. It has nothing on WCW or <laughs> UFC or anything like that. <laughs> WCW? That's that's really old. That's uh, WWE now, I think. Okay. Um, I still don't watch it. Though. I still don't watch it either, but at least I know a reference when I <laughs> quote one. But like yes, the UFC. Okay, there Better. we go. Let's like the UFC. You know, bloody noses, crying, hair pulling. Ronda Rousey shows up. Yeah, just dominates. AKA anyway. mom. <laughs> AKA mom. Yeah, and so so there's just there's arguments. You're getting kids ready. They don't want to go to Sunday school. You know, they're tired or whatever. And so it's just this constant fight. You're usually speeding to church. You know, usually when you're in the car with your family, like nobody's happy and you get to church and then you just put on this smile on your face and you like go there to pretend and show everybody that your life is great. You know, look, we dress really nice. Look, we're all smiling. Look, we're at church at Sunday school, Sunday morning, early. We're serving because we got it all together. And that's to me, that just that fails on the transformation side of it. All right. I mean, we all can relate to that. Well, those of us that have been in church for a, a while and not really even a while. I mean, some of you do that on your very first Sunday to church, you wake up and nobody else wants to go and you're going to be arguing and bickering with them. And, you know, we've all, we can all relate to that somehow. So in the story, in the book, like the guy is sitting in the pew as he's hearing this Christian pastor at a, I think he called it like, First Bible Belt Believe in Church or whatever. <laughs> I like that name. <laughs> and and, uh, and he says the preacher is like, man, we we live on this word of God. We stand on this word of God. We do everything by the word of God. And he's just kind of like looking at us like, I don't remember seeing what we're doing right now in the Bible. And so 
you just started questioning those those times. Have you ever been sitting in Sunday morning and been kind of just questioning? Definitely, and that's kind of what led us to where we're at today is uh, just questioning and just sitting there listening to a preacher preach. And, uh, you know, I, I thought there was more to it than just that. So you question as a person in the audience. I've questioned as a person on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> like, is this really worth it? Like, is this all this time and energy for this one hour service worth, worth it? it? You know, it's just, it's silly to me. I understand where you're coming from. However, I'm not a musician, so I, I'm not really, can't sit, look at it from that aspect. Well, I'm not a musician either. I, I fake it on Sunday morning. Fake it until you make it? Yeah. We just put all, <laughs> we just put my guitar in the tracks and my vocals in the tracks. I lip sync. Some people would kind of say it's um, heresy, would I say. I mean, my dad's a pastor. Um, I've, I served on staff with uh, our current church. Um, and But yeah, I mean, I still have those doubts. Not doubts, but are we doing it how it's supposed to be done? Andrew, do we we need to talk about Jesus? Is he uh, is he real? Do you have? Well, are you doubting? Are you doubting Thomas? Ooh, no. I would be the uh, first disciple, <laughs> the best disciple. <laughs> we just talked about faking it on Sunday morning, <laughs> and that's what you're doing right now, Andrew. Oh, sorry, I haven't turned off my Sunday mode yet. <laughs> so, I mean, we're talking about uh, the Winchesters, right? Yeah. So and so, kind of like flip that switch. When you're in that car, you're fighting all the way to church. But as soon as you step out, you flip the switch, you put on your Sunday mode, and you throw on the smile. And oh, hey, how are you, brother Dusty? Oh, I'm doing. I'm doing really good, brother Fish. Yeah. Yeah. How's life? Oh man, I'm just blessed. I'm just. I'm just doing what living what the Lord wants me to do every day. I just. I can't complain. I'm just so blessed. Hey man, I hear you there. All right. See you next week. Yeah. All right. And that's, so, how, that's how our conversations go. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the church and, life. And now the even more with mega churches, how it is. I mean, they're trying to funnel two, three, four, five, six services on the on the day, and right. so so you don't even get that aspect. It's like in and out, and maybe you catch somebody in the lobby, shake their hand, glad you were here, thanks. Right. I mean, get out of our parking lot. Someone needs that parking space for the next service. Right. Last Sunday I went to the 9 a.m. service. This Sunday I'm going to the 1 a 1 p.m. service. You know, I, I'm not going to see the same people. Well, I, I served at a, a bigger church in Tulsa, and it was like that. Like, um, you had your your people that were there every Wednesday to serve with the youth, and then I come on Saturday night, um, and I wouldn't see anybody that I knew besides the the youth pastor. So, with this book and with what we're discussing, you think um, you, let's use our church as an example. You think our leaders or uh, fellow members would? How would they respond to us? I I think this? they would be okay because we're, like I said, we're a fairly new church um, that have already kind of struggled with some of these things. I think that they would be understanding and they'd probably be on our side, but as far as maybe some of the things that we do that we still like, are we doing this right? I think they would agree, but I don't think now we're in a position anymore that we could change it. Right. We'd, you know, I'm definitely not in a position anymore. Or I could change it. Yeah. And so not within our church. Right. And so I so I think our church is kind of an exception because we are a church that struggle with that. Now I look at a church that um I was a part of for a while and and they 
we tried just to change the name of the church, and it was like people just were gonna leave the leave the church just because we didn't we wanted a different name. And it wasn't because the name was amazing. The name was terrible. Uh, it was horrible. <laughs> and but the name was terrible. But it it meaned something for people like people that Meant. founded the church that have now passed away and their kids or their spouses are still alive. And so it, it meant more to them on that kind of level than um yeah sentimental than um, biblical than was then yeah. Right. Than, than biblically or not even biblically yeah. like uh, just conveying the message of the church i mean yeah um, trying to be relevant or whatever and that's that's the changes i see in churches do a lot is they just we change our name from this church to this church and now we are relevant and we're gonna it's like you guys do the same programs you haven't changed any of that stuff you have the same same style of everything you have the same schedule like changing your name might fool people for a little bit but then they're going to catch on, and they're just going to keep moving on. Well, talk now putting it in an aspect of like the church you and I grew up in. Yes. Together. Very Southern Baptist. Right. Now, i got to use my favorite saying here. If we challenge the, the <laughs> traditions there, we'd get kicked out faster than the Southern Baptist youth pastor dating a student. <laughs> uh, I know you hate it, but it's very accurate. It's very accurate. Because I know a lot of... You try to say that statement anytime you can. can. That's right. <laughs> because it's accurate. It's true. I mean, and, yeah. and I'm not talking about anybody specific. I know quite a few. Yeah, um, I know. We had that conversation. So it's not directed towards anybody. It's just true. So... And it is true. You see pastors that will be involved in those churches and they try to bring on change if they feel God is leading them. The people, the guy that we've, we feel that God has brought into leadership in our church and then he wants to challenge what we do. And so we vote him back out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so it's, that's just the, the mentality of that. Of, oh, you're stepping on my toes now. It's like, we've never done it that way before and we're not going to do it. So see ya. That's right. Let's get somebody else in here. I mean, matter of fact, the church that you and I uh, grew up in, that's exactly kind of how yeah, that church I've went. seen like four or five pastors, I think, in the midst of that church. Okay. No, they weren't all like kicked out, but but it was a struggle. It was a big struggle. Talk about heavy tradition and, you know, that's not how we've done it. And, and really, it comes down to also just a certain families that are like in the structure of the church. And so if you got family, like this certain family that's got their hand in every little committee made by the church, then, uh, yeah, it's going to go the way that family wants it to go. Well, and, and luckily for you and I, Andrew, we've, we've been going to churches, the last couple of churches we've gone to that don't have committee. And that's good and bad. I mean, I, there's, there's good and bad with that with the community aspect because there should be accountability and there should be those things in the church with our church leadership. But what happens is it becomes not about God and it becomes about us. Power and it becomes a political thing right. and and no change happens. It's just like our Congress and our senators not getting anything done. It's just we talk a lot and 
try to bring up change and you know, it doesn't happen. Right. This book challenges the practices and the traditions and even more in depth, this book uh, talks about post-biblical historical events. So going with that, uh, do you think that it's possible that the contemporary church thoughts and practices have been influenced by more of the post-biblical historical events or well, more because by the I, New Testament? Well, because I read this book and it says yes, I will tend to agree with the book. <laughs> That's what it talks about in the, in the preface of the book was just that a lot of these things that we've brought up, and I've heard not just in this book but other speakers talk about the how the church has changed how it looks how how we used to not have 45 minute sermons in the church until all of a sudden you know the was it the and time of enlightenment or whatever when college education became really prominent in our culture and then so we decided to go with the 45 minute lectures just like they do I actually think the book called it the revival period. A revival. Which was the late 18th, early 19th century oh. is when it went to that. Well, look at you, smarty pants. That's right. It's because I read the book last night. Before I read this book, I wouldn't have really had an opinion on this because I wouldn't have known more. I would have had maybe so, uh, maybe hints or whatnot, um, kind of like I did, like, you know, nowhere in there do, in the Bible does it say to tithe money. I mean, it just tithes your income. Well, your income isn't always money. Right. We'll get to that. All right. I know you're really passionate about that. One. I am. And we'll get to that topic when we get to it. Okay. It's uh, it's chapter eight. So you got a little ways to oh, go. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we need to hurry this up. But we're excited about doing this podcast. We're excited about doing this book. Uh, we hope that it's valuable to you. We hope to raise questions like a lot of people have been doing lately, but not just raise questions. I hope that we do find some answers with, within this discussion. And I, I really hope that we find the answers of how, how to, you know, what God really wants us to do with the church and with the money and with the buildings, all that stuff. Um, we'll, we'll actually get some answers on that. So next week, we're actually going to start chapter two, which is the church building. The church building. When did we start having to meet in the building? Yeah, because if you read in Acts, they met in houses. Right. And actually, um, what the preface and introduction talks about is the organic church, uh, which was just meeting in marketplaces or at people's houses, just wherever they could. There was no building. And they didn't have central heat and air and all this. Yeah, stuff that we need today. Right, in order to have church. So. And so check back with us next week. I uh, hope uh, that you enjoyed this podcast. I hope it's been valuable to you. And I hope you get the book and read along with us and not just take our word for it. Um, otherwise, you're doing exactly what we talked about people doing with televangelists. And so uh, grab the book. Go ahead and read chapter one, catch up, and uh, see you next week after chapter two. Have a good week, guys. Two bros in the Bible Belt.